Well, Nancy Pelosi has finally decided to call for a vote for impeachment. That happened yesterday. What's the exciting adventure on Capitol Hill today? We'll talk to you about what is going to happen over the next few weeks and the procedures uh, on today's podcast. Also, is there a flashpoint coming? Blaze TV's John Miller is uh, on the program to discuss the Virginia governor declaring a weapons ban ahead of a gun rights rally on Martin Luther King Day. That's this coming Monday. And then we took phone calls from Virginians who are really upset. This is this is a state that is on the edge and it it's not all about guns. Uh, and the people we spoke to, the citizens of Virginia, are actually really upset as well with all of the Republicans. Not those just in office, but those Republicans who didn't vote. Because this is a hostile takeover of a state. And we'll explain it all on today's podcast. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. If I was looking for an arson, I would look no further than Governor Blackface of uh, Virginia um, pouring the accelerant on an already tense situation in Virginia on Monday. It's Martin Luther King Day, and the the cities around Virginia the people who have attended all these city council meetings and the city councilmen that have been there have all decided that they wanted to go to Virginia on Monday and uh, protest what the the House and the Senate, the local House and Senate for the governor, uh, what they're doing with guns. And this is a huge movement in Virginia. And Antifa has stated that they were going to come. Okay, so they they start throwing in, we're going to be there, we're going to cause trouble. So what does the governor do? He says, it's a state of emergency. The National Guard needs to come out. There's no guns uh, allowed on any of the government grounds on Monday. Uh, and he blames this on white supremacists. So he's disenfranchising all of the outlying areas, all of the towns that aren't run by the Democrats, uh, and calling everybody a white supremacist. Are there going to be white supremacists that show up? Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. But that's not what this group is that has been showing up in city council meetings. They're not white supremacists. They're constitutionalists. And by the way, most white supremacists are Nazis, and Nazis are socialists. So you have two socialist groups. You have Antifa and the National Socialists. And then you have the Constitutionalist, which no one wants to address. I'm sorry, I'm really kind of passionate about this. I'm going to talk to you about that next hour, so don't go anywhere. Now, what happened yesterday with impeachment? Let me spend a few minutes today to tell you what happened yesterday what Nancy Pelosi, the game that Nancy Pelosi was playing and how it fits in history and what happens today at noon Eastern time. Yesterday, Nancy Pelosi, after stalling how many weeks, Stu? Three weeks? Three weeks, yeah. Three weeks. Mm -hmm. After stalling three weeks, she finally decides that she's going to call for a vote for the delivery 
of the articles of impeachment. Now, she came out yesterday and she said, well, this is really this, you know, I got a lot of heat. I got a lot of heat for waiting. But I'll tell you this right now. Uh, the reason why I waited, because I knew new evidence was going to come out and it was going to change things. And it did. Well, no, it really didn't, because when they finally voted, it came down the same way it did last time. So nobody's mind was changed. There was one Democrat that voted with the Republicans, a Democrat from Minnesota, and then there was the independent, um, um, what's his name, Justin Amash, that voted for the articles to be delivered. Other than that, it's the same. Nobody changed their mind. Nobody changed their mind with this new evidence. More importantly, it was going against Nancy Pelosi. But there's a historic reason why she waited, and I'll explain it in just a second. First, let me tell you who she appointed. She did Adam Schiff, you know, head of the House Intelligence, and he was the one who really did all of the investigation. Uh, Then you have uh, Jerry Nadler, who drafted the articles. And what this is, what she announced yesterday, they're called the House Managers. But what they really are is this is the defense team. Okay, this is the Johnny Cochran uh, and uh, and Alan Dershowitz in the House. These are the ones that are going to make the case. All right, because you're going now into a trial phase. And so you need a bunch of attorneys, if you will, and prosecutors that know how to are comfortable in a courtroom setting. Okay, so she also put uh, Zoe Lofgren in from uh, California. Um, and this is her third impeachment. Maybe she's the problem. I mean, she's yeah. she just keeps showing up everywhere. It's so like the person that shows up and every you know, two days later there's a terrorist attack. What's right. going on here? I'm I'm not I'm not really sure really that uh, they really even understand what's going on when they say this is her her third impeachment. Nixon was not impeached. There was an impeachment process, though, yes, right? That had but to be it never she, went to a vote. So maybe our third inquiry, inquiry. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and that also tells me that she's been in Congress too long. <laughs> yeah. uh, then you have the these two, Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler, were were givens, and I think Zoe Lofgren was also a given. Um, then Nancy Pelosi could pick from anybody else in Congress. So she takes Hakeem Jeffries, who's the head of the Democratic caucus. Um, She then takes uh, Val Demings. Now, Val Demings is an interesting pick. Uh, She was a former Orlando police chief. Um, And so you would say, oh, well, she's really she's probably going to be, you know, really good um, because she's a police chief and she knows the courtroom and she's comfortable with all this kind of stuff. She was actually selected, I believe, because she's the one that the Democrats are pushing to be the vice presidential candidate. And so I think they want to give her stage hmm. space. Um, however, uh, stage space is interesting because uh, there's a recent poll out of Democrats. Can you tell me who Adam Schiff is? No. Was the most popular answer by (laughs) an overwhelming number. This is not printing with the American people. They're not paying attention to it. Democrats are not paying attention to this. 
All right, so you have Val Demings. Uh, then you also have uh, Jason Crow. Uh, he's a uh, former military guy. He's from Colorado. Then you have Sylvia Garcia from Houston. So if you look at this, you have Hakeem Jeffries, Val Demings, Jason Crow, and Sylvia Garcia. What are they doing? She picked this because the last impeachment was 13 white guys. The House sent over 13 white guys. So she's got all kinds of Americans from all kinds of... It's it's diverse. That's all they were going for was a diverse look and somebody they wanted to put on, on stage. All right. So they took the vote on this. Then they marched over around 5 o'clock last night and said... You know, rap, rap, rapping on your door, Senate, to be able to tell you that we are going to tomorrow deliver the articles of impeachment. So that's what happens today. Last night in what is called the engrossment ceremony. I love that. The engrossment ceremony. Nancy Pelosi finally signed the papers. They went from the House to the the old house chamber to the rotunda, then they slowly walked over to the Senate. They gave the message to the House. Today, the trial starts. The trial is uh, something unlike you've ever seen before. If you missed the last one with, uh, with Clinton... You'd have to go, you'd have to be really old because the last one after that was in the 1860s and President Johnston, uh, Johnson. Now, Johnson is an interesting guy, and they say it was all political. Well, isn't that what they said about Clinton? And isn't that what we're saying about this one? You have to remember, this is a political process. Now, Johnson was one of our worst presidents ever. He was, he was, uh, he took over uh, as the vice president um, because uh, Lincoln was running on unity and he was actually a Democrat and he was a Southern Democrat. I think he was from Tennessee and he was the only Southern senator uh, when his state seceded that he didn't resign his office. So he was the only senator to sit and remain from the South, all right? Um, but he, does, he didn't necessarily like black people. <laughs> he, was in this, he was in that seat, and he was called a Southern Unionist. Now, when Lincoln put him in, the only time he ever really appeared, he is a Democrat running on a, a unity party with Abraham Lincoln, who's going to now try to knit the fabric back together after the Civil War. And so he chooses him. Hey, look, it's Republicans and Democrats, a northerner and a southerner coming together. Well, he gives this horrible rambling speech before President Lincoln gives his second inaugural address. And it's completely the opposite of what Lincoln was going to say. That's his malice toward none and charity toward all. Let's let's heal the wounds. That's not what Johnson is saying. And he gives a speech in the in the Senate. And he it, it is ugly the history books will tell you that he secluded himself for the next six weeks no he didn't seclude himself lincoln told him go home i don't want to see you 
And so he was it was he was ridiculed for what he did. And then six weeks later, Lincoln dies. And now you have this president who really nobody wanted as president of the United States, except perhaps Southerners. When the Southerners come back together and uh, and they start to knit the Union back together, this is where the real trouble starts. Um, the Southern states they they are encouraged to have new elections and have them all open. Many of the Southern states return the same old white leaders, uh, and when they did in their towns and in their their you know counties and townships and and state. They passed black codes, which deprived black people of uh, their their civil liberties. And so they were starting the same thing again. Johnson did not want any protection for blacks. The Republicans in Congress said, uh, no, that's no, no. And so the Republicans passed bills to get it done so you would have protections Johnston, uh, Johnson, the, the Democratic president now, he's saying no. He tries to stop all of it. He's against the 14th Amendment. This goes on and on, and he is trying to frustrate anything that Lincoln was trying to do and frustrate anything that would actually protect black people. That's when it became political. Yes, I would say it was moral, too, um, that the Republicans put him on trial and tried to impeach him because he was going against what the civil war was supposed to solve. And that is equal rights. They impeached him. Now you would think that that would be pretty easy with through today's eyes. He was not removed from office. He only, he only, they were only short one vote. You need 67 to, re- to remove a president. They were short one vote. So he stayed in office. Clinton, same thing, stayed in office. Now what's going to happen this time? I'll tell you how it begins today at noon. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. We want to give you a quick update on something. Uh, Jeff Fisher, Jeffy, who's been with me for 20 years, um, he's in the hospital. Uh, It's not a heart attack this time. Now it's a gallbladder. Uh, and um, he's going to have it removed today. But he, you saw him yesterday, and he's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. He had some other issues: pancreas, liver enzymes. But I think it was all being caused by the gallbladder. Yeah. So it's amazing how gone, those all be, work together. It is. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's a, it is. Anybody who doesn't, anybody who knows the human body and doesn't believe in at least intelligent design, oh, yeah. I don't know how you. It's crazy. I, what are you thinking? How did this come up? We can't do it, and we're trying to. <laughs> yeah, just we just put all these things in a box and shook them up, and, well, I was a person. I mean, it doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Anyway, uh, welcome to Pat Gray uh, from Pat Gray Unleashed, the podcast that you can hear and watch on Blaze TV uh, every morning as he records it live uh, prior to uh, this program. 
So, Pat, we have the impeachment hearings. Uh, the mm-hmm. first thing that's supposed to happen, it was supposed to happen, I guess, at noon today. But now I'm hearing that they're, the Senate is going into session here in about 10 minutes. They're going to vote on China, on the trade bill. Uh, and then uh, the House comes over and they, the sergeant of arms says, you know, warning, anybody who talks for the next few weeks, you have to get rid of your cell phone, computer, any electronics. Um, you cannot speak on pain of imprisonment if you're a senator. What? Uh, like inside or outside the chamber? Inside the chamber. Okay. You cannot right. speak. The House is going to... <laughs> present their case they'll have 24 hours not consecutive they'll have 24 hours to present their case and no one can say anything if you're a senator you cannot say anything so after they read the articles of impeachment then uh the house summons john roberts john roberts is supposed to come over uh and he's going to be called as the judge he's the supreme court justice he's the head of the supreme court and uh, and a weasel, and he's going to be called in, and he will sit as the judge. The Senate will be the jurors. They cannot ask any questions. They can only ask questions in writing, and they pass those to Chief Justice Roberts, who at the end of the presentation will then ask those questions of the House. My impression of Roberts's role in this though because he's in a different branch of government he's not in charge of it no he's just like the master of ceremonies yeah he's kind of, of the he'll gavel it in yeah and but he, he doesn't have the, power in it he has power <laughs> like a judge has power to clear the courtroom to uh say you're out of order take him i mean it, he yeah. is in yeah. charge of that but not the process but he doesn't set rules or any of that no that's mcconnell right and so what happens is once they present their side of the case then the house is going to say do we want or the house is going to say we want to call new witnesses then yeah. the senate can uh discuss that it will be behind closed doors and then they will vote and here's the this is where it gets dicey. If they vote to uh, open up and have the House call new witnesses, the Senate has said, "Great. If you don't want it based on the evidence that you've already given us and you want to present new stuff and new witnesses, then we're going to call witnesses too." And so it's a a game of bluff because quite honestly, I don't think either side wants this to be opened up all the way which is tragedy as far as I'm concerned. So if they vote to hear witnesses, you will then hear from the whistleblower as well because the Democrats only need, what is it, four? I'm trying to, let me see where it is. I wrote it down. I think uh, four Republicans to vote their way. Yes. It's a 50, I mean, it's 51, 49. Mm Mm-hmm. So they need four Republicans to vote their way. And they think they have that in Romney, Collins, mm-hmm. and a couple others. And they will have it. The Republicans will also have it uh, to be able to get the whistleblower and everybody else. And then it really opens up. If it doesn't open up to witnesses, it'll be about two to three weeks. The president, after he is sworn in today, Roberts, he will then mm-hmm. swear the Senate in. 
and present them with the rules of the Senate that they have to shut their mouths for the next couple of weeks until the trial is over. Then the next thing, the how the Senate has to dispatch someone to officially alert the president that he is under trial in the Senate, and then he will present his defense. Remember, we have not had the White House defense attorneys yet. They will get their 24 hours to present their case after the House does. Do you, because you mentioned this a little bit earlier, do you think that the delay reason now uh, is because of what? My Okay. Go ahead. Uh, um, here's here's my view on this, mm-hmm. and and I get it just from looking at history. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, for instance, um, Nixon's impeachment hearings were over like July twenty seventh, um, and they they didn't file for the articles of impeachment. What they did was they they politicked internally. And it and pressure started to build with the American people. Mm-hmm. And so on August 5th, the Republicans went to the president and said, I think you're going to be impeached. Uh, and he released the final tape, the smoking gun tape, where it showed he did know about all of this stuff. And he was involved in Watergate uh, and the cover up. And so once that tape came out, that came out on August 5th, and then on August 9th, the pressure was too much, and he resigned. So I think what she was trying to do was trying to whip up pressure, get the press to whip up the people and get that done, right. introduce some new things. Mm-hmm. Look, there's some new things that are going on. Mm-hmm. So hoping, against against all hope, that this president would blink and say, I don't, I don't want it to go to trial. And he would resign. She oh, was looking wow. for Jeez. more things to come up because she mm. knows how weak it is uh, and trying to get people whipped up. So we have to hear from these new these new uh, uh, witnesses. Yeah. I mean, I definitely it definitely, you know, reading some of the stuff that's come out the last couple of days and probably the biggest part of this is last night's clearly coordinated interview with Lev Parnas on mm-hmm. Rachel Maddow show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- it does seem like she was maybe trying to align all of these things to hit all at Correct. once so that when this thing starts, there's Correct. pressure for the witnesses. There's pressure. Exactly right. So she initially maybe wanted to um, see if she could get the things she wanted when she couldn't get them. This seems to be their almost almost backup plan, right? Like this is how they're going to push the Republicans into doing what they want which is all this new evidence and these new interviews and these people coming out saying all these bad things about right, Trump. Right. Okay. I mean, at least it makes some sense. Uh, I mean, I can understand why they thought that might work. I don't think it's going to. I will tell you that it's that unless you have a picture of him with a gun, you know, shooting witnesses that would have testified. Right. And even then, I'm not sure. Um, but the... What what senator is going to say who is who respects the Constitution? Remember, no president has ever been removed. We've had this is the third impeached. We've had one that was close to impeachment. So this is the fourth time, really, we've gone through any of this. None of them have ever been removed. None. None. Okay. Mm -hmm. The worst one was Johnson. And. Mm -hmm. 
he wasn't removed. You're telling me that you're going to remove a sitting president just a few months before the people have their own vote and way to remove a sitting president? No way. No uh, way unless, you're not Unless it was something. Smoking gun. Smoking you had, gun. Like literally the picture right. of him with the gun and there was smoke coming out of it. <laughs> and even that. <laughs> yeah. There'd be plenty then. of people who would still say no. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't remember this level of uh, scrutiny during the impeachment of, of Clinton. Do oh, you? I, I, what I do mean, you mean scrutiny? The, this detail, this... Where every describing every minute of of the process and oh, how yeah. this all works. Oh yeah, you do remember that? Oh yeah, I, I, I we don't. were doing it like we. Uh, Stu and I were on the air to together it, during it, and absolutely, we paid <clears throat> great attention to every detail. Did you really? Oh yeah, yeah For all I, the way I to. Not. I remember talking. I will about, admit, I did not. I remember Red Renquist being <laughs> seated. And we did a whole, uh, uh, at least one break just on the gold braids on his robes. Hmm. What the hell are the gold braids for? How come he has gold braids and nobody else has gold braids? And how? And wow. nobody else ever has. I was do you remember the gold I, braid I discussion? I do not remember the gold yeah, braid I discussion. Do. <laughs> and it, and it, it turns out he didn't, he just wanted them. Oh. And he's oh, like, a- I want something different for my robe. I'm the chief justice. I want something different. So he huh. put gold braids on it. It meant nothing. It was so, just him. Huh. Shorter explanation than I expected. Yeah. He yeah. just wanted them. Yeah. Um, you know, because we did three variations of the Glenn Beck talk show before it became the show that it is today. Yeah, because you were still doing music radio. And music. so, were, and the, t- yeah. you said you weren't following it that closely. Right. Well, you yeah, were I doing, was doing music, music radio, radio right? Too. I mean, there'd yeah. be no yeah. reason for right. show for the show right. really to follow it all that closely. Plus, I was 34 years old. I really didn't care at the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, one of the iterations of that show was called The Impeachment of Character. Mm-hmm. And it was basically mm-hmm. nonstop impeachment talk, including like going through all of the testimony and Glenn acting it out. Oh, it was that's great. right. <laughs> It was that actually remember. really funny. Was, that I, I remember. wish we had yeah. tapes of that because oh, that would be yeah. worth playing again for people. Yeah. Because yeah. it was, I played all the, I just took the raw testimony mm-hmm. uh, and I acted all of the parts out. You're playing and, like Linda uh, Tripp and yeah. Monica Lewinsky oh, and my gosh, Kenneth Starr. That part I do remember. That was yeah, tremendous. Yeah. It was really funny. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it, 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 there was never a time in which anyone really believed he was going to get removed from office. Clinton. No, that's true. Just like I, now. I remember being, it was a little, it, it felt was, a little bit more uneasy. And I remember one of the big keys of this was Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman. And I remember Glenn, who was friendly with Joe Lieberman, and he's a senator from Connecticut. and uh, Still you know, am. And still am. He's been on the show a bunch of times. And you were very much hoping he would be the one guy who would stand up on the Democratic side and say, look, this matters. Character matters. And that would maybe start uh, momentum for this to re- for really right. happen to him be removed. Right. You know, Lieberman wound up making a a pretty a, a speech that was critical, but wound up still voting yes. uh, to yes. keep him in office. Yes. Yeah. If I remember uh, because correctly. he said character does matter, but it doesn't rise to the level of impeachment. Uh, and and this one character does matter, but this one's not about character. This is not about him lying uh, to the American people under oath. It's also not about eleven felonies. That he committed, like it was with Clinton. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's about it's about two things that don't don't rise to the level of impeachment at all. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey. 
Hey, it's Glenn. And if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. John Miller is our White House correspondent at uh, Blaze TV, host of the White House Brief. He has previously worked for Fox News, The Blaze, and Mercury Radio Arts, which is my company. He was actually my assistant uh, for a while and then a producer on my show. Uh, And we welcome to the program John Miller. Hello, John. Hey, Glenn. How are you doing? I'm very good. Can you tell people who have not really been paying attention to Virginia exactly what is going on? Well, what's happening is very simple, and that is that Governor Blackface, Northam, is literally just trying to deprive, and along with the Virginia legislatures, trying to deprive the people of their Second Amendment rights. And, you know, just to rewind a bit and go back, you know, obviously, because it's at the state level, there's no electoral college. So basically what happened is you got Northern Virginia. Uh, Northern Virginia, if you don't know Virginia is basically Washington, D.C., right? Yes. You got Northern Virginia, which is all blue. Because they don't have the Electoral College, Northern Virginia determined the state representatives. So you basically have all Democrats. So Virginia's representation went completely blue. However, the Virginia populace is remained sane, rem- <laughs> remained constitutionalists who just want to have their rights. And so now you've got the situation where the legislators are trying to turn the state blue, and the citizens of Virginia are literally rising up against it because they are trying to, to I- implement a number of anti-gun legislation, such as red flag laws and limits on, on so-called assault rifles, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, basically trying to disarm the citizens of Virginia. And so 90 out of 95, and that number is growing. You know, just recently I checked this morning, and the uh, Virginia Citizens Defense League has has uh, is keeping track. But a bunch of localities are jumping on by the day, if not by the hour, rising up against this and declaring themselves sanctuaries against these anti-gun, anti-self-defense legislations. And so on Lobby Day, which is on Martin Luther King Day on Monday, they have decided to they they, they had plans to show up at the Capitol in Richmond and make their voices heard. That was the whole point, make their voices heard. Governor Blackface said, uh, no, I don't think so, waited till yesterday to, to declare a national emergency. And due to that national emergency, everyone who, decide, who, who was going to show up to the Capitol now is not able to show up with arms. They're going to have metal detectors, and you, are not, you will not be allowed on the grounds if you are carrying a firearm in self-defense, which is funny because this happened right after Antifa decided to make their presence be known. Antifa said, oh, well, we're going to show up at the rally. Everyone said, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if Antifa is really going to want to show up with tens of thousands, which are the numbers that they're expecting, citizens that are carrying. And so coincidentally, the governor then comes in and says, well, actually, we're not going to allow the citizens to carry at this demonstration. So uh, you've been saying this, Glenn. I, I, I really do. I hope not like you, but I do think this is a flashpoint. I do think this is uh, a really big deal because they're, they're, they're saying you cannot exercise your rights. And we know that. And instead of trying to de-escalate the situation, we are putting pressure. We're trying to escalate it. We're trying to make it worse. And we're trying to enrage the citizenry even more. So here's what's really interesting is um, you could say, hey, because of Antifa, we're afraid of skirmishes. Police will be out in numbers to make sure that these groups are 
you know, separate or whatever. I mean, we've done it before. John, you were there when the Black Panthers threatened to walk through the crowd of 500,000 people. Remember that? Correct. Um, And it was all taken care of. There's easy ways to take care of it to where you say, look, you have your right. We have our right. You can do this, you know, and and it's all fine. Um, Instead, what this governor has done is with if I correct me if I'm wrong, without talking about Antifa, he has instead started talking about white supremacist groups and 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 foreshadowing the the Nazi presence instead of saying, look, there's socialists over here with Antifa who are dedicated to, you know, um, you know, trouble. And then there is also the Nazis who have a long history, also socialists who have a history of trying to make trouble. We're going to protect the law abiding citizens who are here to voice a different opinion than mine on the right to bear arms, and they have every right to do that. Um, And if he would have said then, we would ask that you don't bring any guns, I think it still would have bothered a lot of people. It would bother me, but at least it would be understandable and fair. What he's doing is he is making all the law-abiding citizens of Virginia into white supremacists. I, I think that's I mean, sadly, that's exactly right. And I think he knows exactly what he's doing. Absolutely. But you're, you're absolutely right. And he and he's just rubbing the salt in the wound. I mean, last night, um, you know, me and a number of people uh, you know, were just enraged by this because it's literally, you know, he's just putting a thumb in your eye and saying, I don't care about your rights and I don't really even care about actually preventing violence. I am so hell bent on my position and my views on this, that I'm going to rub it in your face and I'm going to use my power to do it, and there's really nothing you can do about it. And the question is whether that's actually the case, because what he's doing, literally, of course, it violates the Constitution. That's as clear as day, but it also violates Virginia code. Virginia has code 44-146-15 that prohibits um, of the governor, in line with the Constitution of Virginia and of the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution, from uh, from prohibiting the rights of, of people to keep and bear arms as is guaranteed by the the respective constitutions. And I think that he has just made people even more mad. And then what he did is he compared it to Charlottesville. Oh, well, we're getting warnings about uh, behavior similar to what we saw in Charlottesville. Last time I checked in Charlottesville, nobody was getting shot. Nobody got shot. Somebody got hit, and it was tragic, got killed with a car. Uh, so are you banning cars I, I, to, to, to just you know, say, well, it looks like Charlottesville, and therefore we are going to prevent the people from carrying? Uh, does not seem like it's really going to solve the problem, and instead is just trying to make a political point that is escalating the situation to a point where I, I really think this could be the beginning of something, of something major. I mean, this is the litmus test for the country in terms of are we going to stand for our rights or are we not? And he is saying, here's my position. Are you going to challenge me on it? And if you are going to challenge me on it, how far are you willing to go? So do you know, um, first of all, what is the percentage of Virginia that is siding the towns? uh, I mean, how much of Virginia is supporting the the? The right to bear arms. Yeah, Yeah, so you've got 90, there's 95 counties in Virginia, right? And 90 of them are standing with the Second Amendment. 90 out of 95. 
now so is where they stand. Has the leadership, I mean, the one thing that Martin Luther King did was the leadership was very clear and very vocal. You're with us and there is no violence and anything else. And I'm not suggesting that they would come out and be violent. But when pushed and provoked and made angry by the state and Antifa and being called a Nazi and having a Nazi come in, I mean, that is very it is a volatile situation where 90 percent or 90 of 95 counties will feel like, wait a minute. I'm the one that's pushing for law and order. I'm the one pushing for the Constitution. I believe our our House, Senate, and and uh, Governor are being anti-Constitution. Antifa doesn't believe in the Constitution. Neither do the Nazis. I'm the only one historically standing where Americans are standing, and I'm being lumped in as a rebel. And, and that's why this is so dangerous, because... You right now you've gotten to a point where you've pushed the law abiding citizens, you've pushed the people who are for law and order to a point where they're angry, to a point where they're mad, to a point where they're they're ready to rise up. Right. And so that's a really dangerous situation. So who's leading the, who's the leading voice that is going to take the Martin Luther King role and say this? We all lose if there's gunfight. We all lose. And we we have to be even if you get beaten in the I mean, this is what he said. They beat you in the head. They hit you with a fire hose. They sick a dog on you. Take it. Take it. Otherwise, Uh, you won't be the sympathetic party. Yeah. And and that's and that's where I think this is strategic, because notice that that Northam announced this yesterday. All right, this happens on Monday, you know, the, the lobby day is Monday. He announced this yesterday. So there's really no time. Uh, you know, the, the Virginia Citizens Defense League, they are the, the organizers of this event. Um, and they're looking into it. They have their lawyers looking into it to look to, you know, how do we, how, how do we settle this in court so that we don't have um, a violent situation, so that we don't have clashes. Uh, and Northam intentionally announced this yesterday because they waited until now to do it. So um, so to answer your question, Glenn, I, there is no there, there, there's no time. There's no one voicing that because there hasn't been the organizational time to actually affect that because they're announcing all of this so late. And so I really think that this is an intentional effort to, to, to just, you know, escalate it, put their thumb in the eye of the people and see, you know, how, how messy can we make this? And that's why I, I honestly think that Northam is not doing this in good faith. Um, he's not trying to prevent violence. He's trying to show the American people, in his eyes, how evil these angry, evil right-wingers are. When Meanwhile, it's, it is people who are just trying to exercise their rights. But there's no time, Glenn. <laughs> and that's why there's no time to actually you know, have the kind of foresight and organizational thought of, like, how do we get this to be uh, you know, a peaceful event? And it needs to be. Yeah, and I don't think that there was... No forethought on that because they didn't think that people would. I mean, they know the people of Virginia. The American citizens who are constitutionalist in Virginia are just like they are in any other place. They are not for violence. They're not carrying their guns to shoot. They're carrying their guns because they can. Um, and I don't think the the um, the leadership necessarily thought because it's been peaceful. That's who we are as people. But when you corner us 
And then, I mean, it's it's a Reichstag moment. If you have Nazis, you have Antifa, and you have somebody who is righteously pushed up against the wall, it doesn't matter. It What matters is what the government says and what the press says on what happens. Reichstag, who burned it down, didn't matter. The powers that be said, well, we have to go get them communists now. We got to round them all up. Because they blamed it on who they wanted to blame it on. Just like Northam is already blaming this situation. Not on Antifa. Not on socialists. The national socialists. He's just blanketing uh, everybody who's going to show up to this thing is a white supremacist. It's ugly. It's ugly. All right, John, thank you so much. I know you're going to be there. uh, And I appreciate your coverage. We'll... We'll watch this. I know you've been covering this uh, from the beginning, so we'll uh, make sure we keep track uh, with you on uh, the White House brief on Blaze TV. And, John, real quick, if you just wanted to step in and say which one was better, Glenn's interview of you or, honestly, my appearance on your program yesterday. (laughs) Steele was on my program yesterday. Great job. Uh, And I think, you know, the show is going to be real fun. But if you if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to I'm not going to put myself in that position. (laughs) See, check out the interview yesterday, though. Thanks a lot, John. (laughs) Thanks, John. John Miller is one of the smartest guys I know. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Like listening to this podcast? If you're not a subscriber, become one now on iTunes. And while you're there, do us a favor and rate the show. So in Virginia, the the state house and legislature has been taken over by Democrats. You also have a Democrat who is the governor who was really saved by his party, even though he was in blackface. And I mean, he said some crazy crazy things about abortion they saved him well now he owes them uh and his opinions i'm sure on the second amendment are personally uh, you know the exact opposite of many americans who believe in the constitution well they are using all of their power there in uh in virginia uh now that they have taken over because of the population of northern virginia which is basically the suburb of Washington, D.C. I mean, the only thing that separates Virginia from Washington, D.C. is the Lincoln Memorial and the river. When you see that shot of the Lincoln Memorial with Lincoln sitting in it from so it's, you know, from the front of the Lincoln Memorial, what's behind it is Virginia. Uh, You know, that bridge that crosses over that, you know, JFK uh, came over. They brought his body to Arlington that bridge brings you right to Arlington, Virginia. So this huge population uh, in Virginia is right there in Washington, D.C., and that's now starting to control the rest of Virginia, which is nothing like Washington, D.C. And the people are being disenfranchised. Uh, They have met in their townships. They've met uh, all across the state, and they have decided that they are going to be a sanctuary city if the if the Democrats who now control the state start to put in these crazy laws. And, well, 
the state doesn't like that. So they were going to have a big rally in a place called Capitol Square right there in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, And uh, it was a peaceful gathering just to let their voices be heard on Martin Luther King Day. That's Monday. So what happens? Last night, the governor, remember the guy in blackface, uh, the governor, I don't, was he in blackface last night when he made this? Not uh, sure. I think it's I think it's only on uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, he came out without the blackface and said, "This is um, uh, this is not going to be tolerated." You know, we have we have violence coming our way, white supremacists, uh, and so there are no guns that are allowed on Capitol Square, and he he pulled that off by declaring a state of emergency. So. There may be credible threats. I don't know. There may be credible threats, but not from the majority of people of Virginia that are coming to this rally. There are people that feel disenfranchised by their government, that they're not being listened to. So how do people in Virginia explain this? How do they feel what's going to happen on Monday? I want to open up the phones to you because America needs to hear from Virginia and they need to hear from the Virginians who are going through this because most of America doesn't know anything about this story and it could be a wildfire by Monday night. I hope it is not. I don't think it will be, but it could be Kirby in Virginia. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hey, I'm a a Richmond second amendment patriot and I'm going to be there as a patriot and a citizen I wanted to address the Antifa, the carrying of guns, and the credible threat. Go ahead. Uh, I'll say it real quick. Uh, yeah, Richmond Seven Hills Antifa. I read their uh, post, and they're they're basically saying they were against the initial uh, the initial gun bans, as well as what Ralph is doing, because they say they need the guns to protect themselves in the future from Nazis. Now, whether you believe them or not, that's another story. But you can look them up. There's Seven Hills. So they're Antifa not actually they're not actually causing trouble for you. They're no. They are going to be joining, or are they going to be having their no, separate? Not joining. Thing? They they don't say anything about what they're going to do that day. They're just saying they're against the gun ban. Okay. Because they believe it protects the politicians and their people. You know, I guess minorities. Yeah. Uh, anybody they represent that they think the Nazis could harm need guns to stop Nazis. When Nazis, I guess, take over, I don't know. Or, or I'm just telling you, you can read it on you can read it on their page. Uh, right. It's a statement they made right after they were banned by Facebook for a month. Okay. So I don't know. Kirby, thank you. Uh, for, uh, go ahead, I you wanna, finish. Well, go ahead. Well, no, uh, yeah, I want to say one more thing. Uh, the VL, uh, the VC, uh, the Virginia Citizens Defense League had said from the beginning, no long guns. And most of the people, and I, and I'm real in touch with a lot of the people that are pro Second Amendment. Uh, they're going to they're going to go and be behind the lines. They're not going to cross over, but they are going to okay. bring their guns because we've always brought our guns. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, uh, yeah, I'm against, the, of course, the, the gun bans and the Capitol grounds prohibition and all that. I think it's just uh, uh, terrible. But there are some credible threats. I've actually seen them on Facebook where guys were saying they were going to go armed and and, you know, take the governor out. So, I mean, I've actually seen this stuff. Okay, so that's a, so, so that's, some, and is that part of the, the citizen defense uh, league? No, are they no, people? Not to, no, 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 no. They're just random people okay. who 
are rabble rousers that are right. saying, yeah, let's go armed and get them. Yeah. I, 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 I actually okay. told these guys, you don't No, no, that's wrong. We want to be peaceful. We want right. to be armed, but peaceful. We want to show America that we are not the crazies that the liberals are making us Correct. out to be. If you go in there armed and try to take out the governor, then that's right. going to destroy the Second Amendment forever. Yeah. So I know that's not what you're I know. I know exactly what you're saying, Kirby, and I appreciate it. Um, and, and you're exactly right. Uh, and uh, stay way away from anybody who is and you're doing the right thing. Stay way away from anybody who is like that. They are not the Constitution's and, friend. And anyone who says something like that should be immediately reported to authorities. Yeah. Uh, yes. Be clear. Uh, that's obviously I mean, you know, what, you know, the whole point of this is. The Second Amendment is not used for those types of reasons and is not used to make threats against people. It's it's used to protect us. Right. I mean, it is it is our God given right to be able to protect ourselves. Um, And so certainly an an effective uh, rally and messaging of that point does not include, uh, you know, the crazy people, which, of course, there are a few. There are always people are saying all sorts of crap online. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you see anything like that. That's obviously something you should report. Yeah, because also the people who say that online um, they're either dumb as a box of rocks because that should be reported and will be purpo- reported. And so now they're watched. Thank God. Um, however, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they also may claim to be something they're not. I don't know if you know yeah. this, but internet, the people on the internet, not necessarily always honest about who they are. What? Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Sal in Virginia. Welcome. Hey, Glenn. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Uh, lifelong Henrico County resident. Uh, guns are part of this, but I think you guys are missing the bigger story. Okay. What's going on here is this is the results of people not voting in elections. Besides this total gun grab, they've also passed out of committee. Uh, you know, you used to be able to recall the governor with 10% of the vote and via petition. And they passed increasing that number from 10 to 25 percent. They're uh, changing the term limits from a governor from one term to two terms. They're also changing the way the governor's elected. So instead, by popular vote in Virginia, they want to do it by who wins the most congressional districts. And we all know which way that leans, especially with northern Virginia. The other thing they want to do, excuse me, is they want to change our electoral college votes from mm-hmm. the way it's normally run to the national popular vote. This is a complete and total power grab by the left, sponsored for and paid for by Michael Bloomberg and George Soros. So shame on all you people, all my fellow right-wing people who didn't go out and vote in November. This is what happens when you don't vote. That is a uh, a great perspective that I don't think Americans have heard. Thank you, Sal. Let's go to Jake. Hi, Jake. You're in Virginia. What's up? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm actually in Charlottesville, Virginia, and uh, I uh, was born and raised here. And, um, you know, my family, grandparents, we grew up living off the land, you know, uh, yeah, just just for them to eat. And um, myself as an early kid as well, and um, still to this day. My thing is, is you know, there's a rumor around here as well, you know, saying miners can't hunt anymore in Virginia. Uh, I don't know exactly if that's true, but that's the word going around here. Um, hmm. 
and just like the other call just like the other caller said you know we we did this to ourselves you know we we weren't paying attention and i i'm one of those people i regret to say you know and uh now look here we are now and um it it's really disheartening um you know all my friends and family you know we're four guns um we've never had a a bad you know gun incident or anything like that um we simply just like to shoot guns at the range and, uh, you know, hunt deer, turkey, um, you know, and put a good old meal on the table. And the people who don't actually uh, hunt for their food around here, they're all very curious and uh, open to it. You know, it's a, it's a big thing for us. And, um, you know, and uh, to go on to my next point, if that's all right, you know, um, do you think that, you know, the governor or whoever is going to, you know, uh, call, uh, you know, white supremacists and people to be there to cause conflict? Do you think they want conflict there? Um, you know, I think, Jake, uh, I think it's um, it's uh, not helpful to uh, speculate uh, as you get close to an event like this. Um, you can look in history and you can look at the... Uh, for instance, I, uh, I, I would go to the Bernie Sanders uh, supporter uh, that has just been relieved, uh, just been, uh, you know, exposed by Project Veritas as someone who says, we're going to go to Milwaukee and we're going to burn it down to the ground. If there's trouble with Bernie Sanders, we're going to, I mean, this, they're going to, we're going to make 1968 look like a picnic in Milwaukee. Um, okay. Well, that's just one guy that's saying that, but there are those supporters that think like that. Um, and and in Virginia, you should know that because one of Bernie Sanders' supporters uh, went and tried to shoot the Republican members of Congress and and almost killed one uh, and could have killed all of them uh, if 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 God, I think, hadn't had some divine providence on our uh, on our country that day. Uh, we could have had a real tragedy. And that was a guy who was a low-level staffer of, of Bernie Sanders. There are people, to quote Batman, that or actually um, uh, Alfred, there are people that just want to watch the world burn. And just to clarify, you said he was a, a low-level staffer. Uh, is it, is, was correct? Was he actually fired? Have we heard anything about that? Do, or does he hold on to that no, job? No, I, you know what, I... I stand corrected. I don't know if he's lost his job. I haven't heard anybody demanding it. Look at what That's he amazing. said. Yeah. I mean, Look like, at what he said. I think you can fairly say, like, this is not Bernie Sanders, right? This is some low-level guy. He's making, you know, $25,000, $30,000 a year, you know, as a as a campaign guy. But uh, if he doesn't get fired after this, then I think maybe you, you imagine, can say it is you imagine Bernie an Sanders. Intern, you imagine an intern for me saying that. Oh, my gosh. They would be calling for my head. Mm-hmm. Especially if I didn't fire him. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.